Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and this is episode 22, Ustekinumab for Refractory Giant Cell Arteritis, a prospective 52-week trial. This was published by Conway et al. in Seminars in Arthritis and Rheumatism in April of 2018. So this is a small study, and certainly not one that's going to impact your practice today, but it's also the kind of study that we wind up making a lot of clinical decisions on, and something that I thought would be worth talking about. For background, in giant cell arteritis, we don't have a ton of great options. Methotrexate doesn't work very well, and there's some concern that it doesn't work at all. TNF inhibitors like infliximab have been shown to not really work at all and are not prescribed. Tocilizumab was recently shown to be relatively effective in the GIACTA trial. The GIACTA trial was a large randomized controlled trial that I talked about back in episode 16. Even in GIACTA, however, Almost half of patients wound up flaring, so that's certainly by no means a cure for giant cell arteritis. With that in mind, these authors set out to find another option for this disease. So ustekinumab is an IL-12 and IL-23 inhibitor. We know that IL-12 and 23 are upregulated in the inflamed arteries in giant cell arteritis. Because ustekinumab targets the P40 subunit of IL-12 and 23, it winds up inhibiting both and kind of affects both targets. Because of that, there was a relatively strong pathophysiologic reason to suspect that ustekinumab would be effective, but it had never been done in a large series before. So these authors set out to perform a prospective, non-randomized, non-blinded clinical evaluation of ustekinumab in giant cell arteritis. So what they did is they gave ustekinumab subcutaneous at week 0, 4, and 12. It was in three academic centers in Dublin. The patients were previously enrolled in a large prospective cohort study that they run over there. And they said that these were their most difficult to treat patients. Unfortunately, this wasn't tightly defined. All patients received glucocorticoids per the BSR guidelines and low-dose aspirin, which is sort of a soft guideline recommendation. To get in the trial, you had to have giant cell arteritis by the 1990 ACR classification criteria. Patients also had to have refractory disease. So this gets back to them saying that these were a tough group to treat. They defined refractory disease as an inability to taper glucocorticoids due to recurrence of symptoms consistent with active GCA after initial treatment response to high-dose glucocorticoids. I think that's fair, but like I said, that doesn't mean those are the hardest patients. They just sort of said that that's what they picked. Patients received ustekinumab for 12 months, and exclusion criteria were active infections or hypersensitivity to the drug. The primary outcome measures were the change in the median glucocorticoid dose from baseline, and they said baseline was prior to week zero to after 52 weeks of therapy. I like that. Defining week zero as your baseline is sort of dangerous because week zero is often when patients are flaring. So you want to pick the time before the study visit when you decided to put them on an experimental drug. Secondary outcomes included the change in the mean glucocorticoid dose from baseline to 24 weeks, change in the median glucocorticoid dose from baseline to follow-up, BVAS, which is the Birmingham Vasculitis Activity Score, ESR, CRP levels, and a physician assessment of relapse at baseline, week 24, 52, and the last visit. Remember, this was unblinded. So they defined a relapse as symptoms of active GCA with or without elevated acute phase reactants in a patient previously in remission. Asymptomatic fluctuations of acute phase reactants were not considered a relapse. So who got into this study? Well, they enrolled 25 patients overall. The typical patient was 70 years old, there was a female predominance, 80% of patients. Three quarters were bi- had biopsy-proven disease. 
meaning the other quarter or so were clinical diagnoses or diagnosed based on angiography. About one in five had cranial ischemic complications, which is pretty close to the rate we see in general large cohort studies. Disease duration was relatively long, 29 months, so these weren't your spring chickens. Clinical presentation at the last relapse was generally cranial symptoms in 40%, but PMR, constitutional symptoms, and large vessel vasculitis were seen in, you know, about a third each. So what did they find? Well, all patients got glucocorticoids, and 84% had glucocorticoid-related adverse events. This again speaks to the importance of trying to find new agents to treat this disease so we can get patients off glucocorticoids. 68% had gotten what they called immunosuppressants, so something other than glucocorticoids such as methotrexate. And now on to the headline news. How many patients flared at 24 or 52 weeks? No patients flared at all. That is really, really impressive. Like I said from the JIACTA trial, about 50% of patients suffered a flare. ESR and CRP values dropped. That was statistically significant. And among patients who were on glucocorticoids, which was everybody, by 52 weeks, 24% had managed to stop glucocorticoids, and 76% had managed to stop other immunosuppressants. Again, not too bad. There are six patients who had the interval of ustekinumab reduced to eight weeks, which that makes me a little suspicious. You're saying nobody flared, but you increased the interval for a couple of patients? I think that's a little peculiar. 10 had large vessel vasculitis on CT imaging prior to starting ustekinumab, and eight of them had repeat imaging. All eight had improvements in wall thickening, and 50% had total resolution. Again, that's pretty impressive, small sample size. Adverse events were relatively benign. To be totally honest, if you want to look at adverse events, you should just look at some of the larger trials of this disease and, you know, psoriasis. So what do we take from this? At face value, this is very, very impressive. Looking back at the JIACTA trial, in the group that got tocilizumab weekly, 56% had sustained remission. That's good for giant cell arteritis, but that's certainly nothing approaching a cure. In the JIACTA trial, 10 to 20% of patients who's had placebo stayed in remission. So over 80% of patients flared by one year in JIACTA. So 80% to 0%, again, that sounds pretty good. There's a number of strengths to this trial. Aside from the impressive results, it was relatively large for a preliminary trial. ESR and CRP were objective measures of disease, and there's pretty thorough follow-up. Out of the 25 patients, they had imaging assessments in eight, which is kind of nice. And there's a low rate of adverse events, so there's no signal in here to make us worried about bad things happening for prescribing it. A couple important weaknesses. The most important of these is that it was unblinded. There's just no control group. So they said that these were their most refractory patients, but for all we know, these patients were just treated for long enough that the disease finally flared out. Or perhaps the ustekinumab had nothing to do with it, and they had some great social work program that intervened. All of these non-randomized trials you have to be incredibly suspicious of. I also take some quarrel with their definition of refractory disease or remission. In fairness to them, this is not well-defined in the vasculitis literature for giant cell arteritis. And then this was a highly selected cohort. Even though they said these were the sickest patients, perhaps the sickest patients were also the ones who had the most active inflammation were the most likely to change. It's hard to extend data like this to a healthier cohort. Outcomes were reasonable, but unfortunately, they weren't the kind of things we really care about. Mainly, that's damage associated with vascular stenosis, claudication, and most importantly, vision loss. And then finally, they did show that prednisone was able to be tapered over a year, 
but most patients weren't tapered off prednisone entirely. That does make me wonder if perhaps the thing that mattered was that patients just had a lot of prednisone, and while they're on ustekinumab, they were able to go down, but if they're still on prednisone, maybe it's the prednisone that's helping? So that's that. Like I said, it's a very small paper this week. I wanted to talk about it because I think it's a fun one, and I was ready to talk about it. And to be honest, a lot of what we do in rheumatology is based on data just like this. I hope you found it helpful. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Be sure to come back next week when we talk about an old trial in fibromyalgia, discussing the impact of Tai Chi. It's going to be a barn burner. Thanks again, and have a great week.